we are all miracles. The fact that we even exist, right? The Big Bang happened. Our parents met. We were the surviving sperm and egg. Every single human being on the planet, every living creature is a miracle. We're not just to be taken for granted. Really understand what an amazing opportunity we have to even exist here. So welcome back to Innovative Minds. So today's guest you might or might not have heard of, because but you may have seen him appear on my LinkedIn time to time. We are great friends and supporters of one another and also he's one of my clients as well that I get to help on the journey of personal branding. And it's been a very exciting road as we have come together. And the about sort of I think a month or six weeks ago, Alex Kane and I actually got to meet face-to-face in Melbourne when I did my Melbourne trip and we were talking and chatting and having some drinks and he said, I've got something really exciting to share. I've got this thing called the philosophy and we got chatting and I was like, what's that? And he's like, well, I'm kind of figuring it out. And I said, well, how can we like, you know, bring this out? And over drinks, we decided we would do a podcast so we can actually really get into it because he would have further developed on that philosophy. So it's been sort of six weeks. So I'm sitting down with him to really understand what the philosophy is. What is he trying to achieve? Um, I've got a bit of a crux of it, but we're going to get into more of it. And I think it's this is going to be a really inspirational podcast for those of you who want to maybe change the world, do more than just business on a day-to-day. There's something much more deeper and underlying that you're trying to connect to. If that resonates with you, come and listen on. So welcome, Alex. Hey, Mel. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. So tell me, Alex a little bit about your business journey. Like who are you for those that, you know, don't know before you came and started exploring this thing called the philosophy, where did the journey start for you in entrepreneurship? You mean there are people who haven't heard of me before? (laughs) Um, Well, look, I was born at a very young age, as most (laughs) people were. Um, And I think I had the bug for entrepreneurial spirit and and wanting to change the world in my way. I think um, I go back to when I was at school and I remember creating a love potion and selling it to all the kids at school. Um, Now, it was made up of um, Brute 33, uh, some Old Spice, and I don't know why, but I threw in talcum powder, so it was a bit of a pasty thing to stick on. <laughs> but it smelt really nice, and I, I remember selling it for like $8. So uh, that was my uh, initial venture into that entrepreneurial spirit. I remember at school I also outsourced all the books that I needed to have read to my sister. Right. So I paid her 50 cents a book to read them and tell me what they were about, and that's how I kind of got through school. Um, yes, the original outsourcer. So, um, uh, that, that's kind of my, my way has always been about trying to find different things to do. Um, I was in love with becoming an actor. That's really what I wanted to become. 
So I did a whole lot of TV, commercials, stage, musicals, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I very quickly realized that you're not in charge of your own destiny. You're always auditioning. You know, it's left up to other people to determine, you know, what happens to you. Um, so I wanted a little bit more of a control of my life. And, mm. I, you know, I, I went and did stand-up comedy where I was the writer, producer, director, performer. And that gave me a feel for, hey, you know, business might be another outlet for me. Um, where I can make decisions and have those decisions reflected in, in what happens, you know, with my products and service offerings. So I, um, I, I did a lot of odd jobs, as you do to become an actor. Uh, I was a private investigator for a little while. Uh, I drove a funeral car. Um, I did a whole lot of odd jobs. Um, but I feel like that's made me into a Walter Mitty type of person you know, where I've had all these adventures and life for me is just an adventure. Um, and uh, I stumbled upon um, uh, the internet when I was working uh, in a television station and um, I decided to become an ISP, which I did for 20 years, starting back in 1996. So that was, that was kind of, I did a whole lot of different things. There was no straight line for me at all. And it got me into technology in some format. Right. And then that's led me to where I am today into a software business, Human Pixel. Wow. Human Pixel, I always found was an interesting name to name a software company, Human Pixel. You know, um, I remember that was something that kind of attracted me to your brand, your company, because I was like Human Pixel. I mean, what was strange was the human had no profile picture on LinkedIn for a company called Human Pixel, mind you. So at least you've got that sorted. (laughs) So we've got that sorted. But what is it about human and software and connection? Like is that what how does that work in software development? How do you see that relationship? Yeah, I think it was the lack of that that I was seeing, that, you know, software development was a very technical thing. You needed to have a propeller on your head or something to get, you know, to understand it. And I think for most businesses, software is an integral part of every business, every industry now. So, and whilst not everyone has the knowledge of it, we need to be empathetic to that. And we need to understand that, it's not about the how things happen, but it's what does the customer need, right? Yeah. What what does the client need? What are the outcomes? What's the business problem we're trying to solve? We're not trying to solve a, a technical problem. We're trying to solve a business problem, and we're trying to do that just with software. So for me, it was I saw a gap in the market for a very human approach to software. Mm. Do you... You know, there's so many people like of different generation who actually find it really difficult to really adapt technology because it wasn't in their era, you know, and they more than ever need this human way of thinking so they can actually integrate with it. And it's quite painful for that era that's coming in and having so much software thrown at them all of a sudden, open this, open that. Um, is that something that you and your company like, you know, really take care and think about the generation of that is impacted? Like, because when you talk about empathy, that's where I see in my business, I'm like, to be really empathetical because not everyone, and even like, I don't think the younger generation, even after me, like I look at how they operate and I just think, yeah, they need to be 
empathetical. We didn't grow up in this, you know, like generation. So how do you kind of, you know, um, when you look at that, are you thinking about being empathetical towards everyone that, you know, of different errors? Like is that a, a thought that you always have when you go and approach a, a software problem? I think that's partially it. I mean, a lot of time we're dealing with enterprise as well and they're not as, you know, unsophisticated in those mm. areas, but they're still people and they're still, you know, coming at a problem that needs solving and they may not be in the IT department. So, mm. you know, a lot of people will have issues that they need resolved in operations or in sales and marketing. They're not IT people, but they know that they need something and they have a sense that software and technology can solve it, but they need the handholding and they all, all they're really interested in is the outcome. You know, yeah. this is what I need to have happen in the business. I don't care how it happens. This is what I need. And so, you know, I don't want to bombard them with acronyms and jargon and all sorts mm -hmm. of things just, you know, because. So it's more about being a human with another human and t tell me your pain point, tell me your problem and let me see if I can mm. help. So now all of this has happened in your life and then more this underlying philosophy you start talking about, which you haven't talked about ever since when we first met. So it was, you know, where does, where does this new, I guess it was like almost like meeting someone new for me, having known you all of a sudden, not talking about software, not talking about everything else before, but you came in and you sat me down and you said, you know, I've changed and I want to talk about this mission, this underlying thing. So was this boiling up all inside for many, many years? Like, you know, is it like thoughts you were having about the philosophy, as you call it? Um. Look, I, th I think it's just who I am and the way the business is just, you know, one part of who I am. Um, I think that's probably the best way. I don't think it's like the business transformed into the philosophy. I think the philosophy has always been there and the business is one part of that. Mm. Um, you know, I remember back in 2009 when we had the Black Saturday bushfires Um and it was a terrible time. And, you know, the Red Cross was there helping, uh, receiving donations. But what I saw was a gap again for people to be able to help other people directly. Um, and so I set up a, a website called Wishbook where people could wish for things that they needed and other people could, you know, donate them, volunteer them. And, you know, we had a lot of interaction between people helping people directly. Um, so that, you know, that's 2009. I think really what I've done, where I've seen my business go, it, it you know, we're helping people. Um, but what I, what I find today is that people often get in the way of themselves. Um, and what I mean by that is that we all come into this world with our biases, our filters, you know, um, and we see things in a certain way because that's our upbringing, right? That's our influences, our childhood, and we see things in a certain way. And unfortunately, what I see is the problems in the world that we have today are often because of these views that we have that are our truths, but may not actually be truth per se. 
And I think there's a lot of education that can happen around helping people to see themselves and become aware of, you know, what are, what, what are my blinders, you know, how, why am I seeing the world in this way and potentially, um, removing opportunities for myself mm. and for others. And effectively the philosophy sort of come out of that. I knew I wanted to do something more than just business. And the philosophy is just the working title I have for it, mm. but it's effectively a way to um, help people engage with other people more. And at the heart of it is respect. I think a lot of the issues that we have in the world are because of a lack of respect between people. Um, you know, we, we tend to congregate with people that we're familiar with, that we know, you know, who lives five houses down from you? Do you know? I don't know. You know, not everyone does because we tend to stay in our enclaves. And I think it's that sort of view of the world that, um, the fear that people have of other people or people they don't know, can't relate to, is what it causes a lot of the issues that we have today. So that's, that's the crux of it, is just a, a respect for people, for each other. How do we, you talked about blind spots that we all have or in fears and everything, and if we had respect for one another, that would resolve it and respect and love potentially as well but how do we get to that point you know because I don't know like we don't love everybody or we don't respect everybody when we you know come in contact with them but that's but if you did it would be totally different right so but how would we ever get to that kind of I think we're talking about utopia that I have I have had the word utopia thrown at yes. me many times and how yeah. it's unrealistic and human nature is what it is. Yeah. And I'm not saying that this is, you know, 100% we can achieve everything that I'm talking about. Mm. But I see that we need to move towards it, mm. right? And even if we achieve 5%, mm. that's that's a huge thing. Um there are there are four basic pillars. The first pillar that I see is universe, right? We are all miracles. The fact that we even exist, right? The big bang happened. Yeah. You know, our parents met, we were the surviving sperm and egg mm. and here we are and our bodies, the way they function, it's a miracle. Yeah. So I think the first point is to see that every single human being on the planet Every living creature is a miracle that already engenders respect because, you know, we're not just to be taken for granted. And I think the first thing is to really understand what an amazing opportunity we have to even exist here. The second pillar is self. And this is a bit more of an Eckhart Tolle kind of view where we get to see inside ourselves and understand who we are. You know, are we good people? You know, um, can we rely on our own judgments? We, if we can understand and educate ourselves that we are the product of so many different influences and yet those influences may not be what objective truth is. They may be the biases that we've grown up with or that we've been exposed to. So I think understanding that 
is the next part. The third pillar is what I call inner circle. So the people that we relate with on a regular basis, family, friends, you know, the, the shopkeeper up the road, people that we have any direct kind of relationship with. Now, you know, again, the biases that we have and we see people in a certain way. So what if we question, do we treat people the way they deserve to be treated or do we treat them based on how we feel about them? Um, so it's really taking a different opinion and saying, you know, people, remember, this other person is a miracle as well, right? Am I treating them how they deserve or am I treating them because how I feel today? You know, mm. am I grumpy? Am I whatever? And I'm taking something out on them. You know, so it's it's that kind of thing. And then the fourth and final pillar is community. So people that we don't directly engage with, who might live on the other side of the world, who I've got nothing to do with, and yet they need to be as important to me as my family. And But because we tend to dehumanise um, people who are not in our inner circle, you know, we think they're not important or we might walk past a homeless person and go, oh, how lucky am I that I'm not that, right? And so I think it's it's that kind of we need to see other people as we see ourselves and that's a really critical thing. Now, all this translates into business, it translates into personal life, into you know, our, our partners that we have and our life partners, our business partners, all the relationships that we have can be based on these simple pillars. Cool. So you gave an example earlier before, back when the bushfires happened and how you created this platform to help, you know, in need or like, you know, donate and directly donate. What are other inspirational examples of living out this philosophy? What does it look like in those kind of practical terms? It's a very good question. Um, look, I, I try and live my life. I try and walk the talk, right? Mm. It's, it, it can't just be a theory or a, a philosophical concept. It has to be lived and breathed. Um, and look, I, again, I'm human. I don't always succeed, but I try. Um, I remember many years ago going to hand out blankets to the homeless in St Kilda, uh, a cold winter's night and feeling really good about helping them. And then coming back to my car and finding that my window had been smashed in by someone, right? So. I'd like to think there's karma out there, but you know, sometimes it just doesn't work that way. We have to do good in spite of everything else. It's not about doing good because we're going to get something back in return, right? It's, it's about doing it because it's the right thing to do. And I think that's really got to be the focus here that, you know, if we do good and we put good out there, good things will happen anyway. But don't see it as a tit-for-tat kind of thing that I need to be repaid for my kindness. And I think we become better people if we're doing good. Um, you know, 
it's it's better to give than to receive. There is so much truth in that. You know, what it does for ourselves to feel that we're doing something good for other people and even other people that we don't even know. I think that's that's really where we need to focus is how do we treat the world like we are one? And that's mm. the philosophy is really about that, that there really is no difference between someone of a different culture, background, religion, political persuasion. And I often talk about, you know, I can show you a picture of four different embryos hmm. and you tell me who is the uh, the left voter, the right voter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, can you tell? No, because it's all those filters that come later on that we impose upon the purity of who we are that makes us see things in a certain way. Who, like, who have you come across and met that you resonated with and have similar views? Like, are there other influences or groups that have also, you know, inspired this thought in you to be bigger than just a business owner? You know, it's just to be bigger than just, yeah, we've all got a business. But this is like, I guess when I hear it, it's like the next level of business next level of thought um it's what big business people like bill gates and so forth i think they try and get into like philanthropy in a way post reaching a level of success they're satisfied with but yeah I what look, other I groups think, i think i think I, I i am a little bit cynical about businesses that promote on their websites how they're doing philanthropy for mm. me, that's like tick a box and, yeah. hey, we're a good social citizen. Um, I I much prefer the people who you ne never hear about who yeah. just do good and they do what they need to do because it's the right thing to do and they're not promoting it. It's not marketing spin. Mm. Yeah. Um, so a lot of these people you won't hear about. And, and I don't want to out them because there are some people doing amazing things and they're not looking for any accolades at all. Um, for me, that, that speaks volumes. I mean, there are lots of charitable organisations who are doing great work, right? So, Like that one that you mentioned to me when we last caught up was, what was it like? Is it the Neighbourhood? Like, you know, where they you oh, do that. Oh, Neighbour Day. Yeah. Neighbour Day. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, which was an idea for just getting everyone in your local community together because, you know, we don't we don't get to know everyone who we live next to uh, because, you know, you might know only the people on either side of you because, you know, they throw balls over the fence. Mm -hmm. But um, other than that, most people are afraid to get out of their comfort zone and meet new people who, you know, don't don't fit into their typical social circle. Mm. Um, and it's a shame because we don't grow. We become isolated and we isolate ourselves. Um, I think that's a real shame. Um, so Neighbour Day is all around, is it? Is it like a cause that someone came up with um, in Australia or is it around the world to help kind of stop the isolation and bring communities together 
so you can get to know people because they, I guess I want to demonstrate like living out this philosophy or doing good. It requires There are simple practical practicing. things that we can do that, you, you know, you don't have to change the whole world in one go. Yeah. Start with your neighbourhood. Yeah. <laughs> and anyone can do it. A street, you could have a street party just for your local street. Just yeah. put some flyers out and get everyone together. Really simple. But if every neighbourhood did that and it just expanded, it would be huge. Yeah. Like are there other little practices or examples or organisations that come to mind that, you know, are kind of just like helping towards one world vision that we're talking about? Yeah, look, I, I think there are plenty of organisations. Um, many of them, though, are working within pockets. And I think my view of the philosophy is not trying to fix a cause. Mm. Right? It's not to fix one thing. It's effectively, if we can change how we view each other, it addresses so many causes. So it would be difficult to have home invasions and aggravated burglaries if you viewed your neighbour like they were your sister, right? It, it's it's just a different mindset. If we respect it, it's the it's the dehumanising of others that enables people to t- carry out crimes because they, there's no empathy. They don't feel that it's 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 close enough to them. And I think that's why I'm saying respect is at the core of this. You know, you you won't commit these crimes if you respect other people. So it's not about let's fix homelessness. You won't walk past someone if you respect them and they are on the same level as you. And that's what I'm saying. You address a whole lot of issues. So it's an education, but I do see this as a multi-generational movement. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. I'm predicting it's about three generations worth because we've got to fix the people who exist today and then their kids are born into the philosophy and then their kids are born into the philosophy. So each time you're getting a little bit more involved. So what are we supposed to do when we walk past a homeless person in under you know under your vision what would it look like Well if you treat someone as if they were your family member now not everyone wants to be helped okay mm-hmm. and so again I'm not saying that that this is to fix every situation and there are also psychopaths and sociopaths who will never be able to work this way but I'm saying for the majority of people if you walk past a homeless person ask them how they are it's really simple you know we talk about are you okay day well ask them if they're okay ask them how they're doing have a conversation don't be afraid to engage um, you know it uh, it's that kind of thing it's it's not asking for much I'm not talking about you know, take them home and necessarily put them up and give them a job and do Sure, you can do those things. But I'm saying at a very simple, basic level, ask them how they are. Mm. It's quite contagious, I guess, when you, yeah, when you talk like that. So it has impact. Your thoughts about the philosophy go beyond 
um, just regular people. It goes to um, government and policy as well. And I've seen you talk about that um, in your LinkedIn um, more recently. Um, so we might touch a little bit on that, that, you know, this these thoughts extend how you see the world to be much more also the government level changing. So not just us as individuals. I did know. consider going into government. Ah. But I think what I've seen is people who go into government with great ideals get put through the mincemeat machine and they get spat out the other end as a silly sausage, right? <laughs> Effectively, you've got to toe the party line. You've got to conform. And so, you know, I've seen friends who have gone through that machine and come out the other end and they're not able to achieve what they want because they've got to conform to that whole process. So I don't see doing it through government. What I do see is becoming a lobby group to government. And if there's enough in that movement, government will sit up and take notice. If they can see that there's an opportunity to get votes and that there's a big enough of an upswell, that's how I think you can motivate government to take action. Because you're pretty pissed off with the government's inflation policy at the moment. You think it could be done in a more empathetical way of just raising interest, you said, and I kind of do totally see your point from an economics. You're saying we're raising interest to hurt everyone. Well, they're raising interest rates to hurt people who have loans, which yeah. – doesn't make sense to me at all. Why, if you want to stop inflation, why hurt people who have borrowed money that, you know, if, I, if I'm wealthy, I've got a mill in the bank and I just want to go and buy a new yacht, I can do that. I'm not curbing inflation because I'm still spending because I can. Um, and it doesn't make any sense to me. I, I think I proposed a few other ideas such as, you know, uh, either putting up the GST, so everyone who spends money is affected, not only people who have mortgages, yeah, um, or actually uh, forcing people to put money into their superannuation, into their retirement. Yeah. So it takes, them, takes the money out of their current purse so they can't spend it today, which is what the government wants, but instead of it disappearing into the ether, it goes into their future spending, which is also what the government wants. Save for your retirement. This would do both. Why don't we do that? Because why don't we do we've that? Always done it this way, so we'll keep doing it this way. And that's the crux of the problem. Well, yeah. There's there's no there's, there's nothing no change to fix. In mindset. No one wants to do it because it's unpopular. You know. Let's let's put what up is the GST. Why no, change something if it's not broken? Is what? Well, it's very yeah. broken. But they're thinking but. it's not broken. We've got a hundred other issues, and we can continue to run as we are. Like, let's deal with. Prob. I guess we just. Is it our education system then, that's not letting us then think beyond? Like our education system doesn't ever tell us to challenge the status quo of policy, really. Like it well, doesn't. The education system exists to funnel people into university. Right? Yeah. That's that's all. It doesn't it doesn't exist to help people find their true calling or to help people, you know, be unique, be themselves, find something. It's like 
you all go in here and you will spit you out this end. There's a few people who will spit out in a different direction. We don't worry about them as long as we get most of you through here. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it's sad because, you know, that's an industrial revolution way of thinking. Mm. Um, but we've moved on from that. Yet yeah, the education system has them. We need to be teaching people life skills, you know, um, how to respect people, uh, how to, how to, you know, live well uh, and, and look after themselves and others. And, uh, you know, we touch on that, but it's not in the curriculum. It's more. It's <laughs> one hour. Things. Yeah, I think it's one hour every two weeks. I heard they're starting to put that in. Um, one of the English teachers was saying that that the school and she teaches at a very private school one of my friends and um she said that she has to try and do one of those classes as an English teacher you know because it'd be too expensive to actually hire someone that teaches that and this is at a top private school so an English teacher has to rotate every you know it's like an extra class that they have to do as part of their contract every two weeks and it should be the curriculum it shouldn't be extracurricular yeah yeah, it's like a PE class <laughs> that an English teacher has to teach. Can you imagine about no, yeah. mindfulness? Because it would be too expensive to get an external person who's focused on that. Um, so that's well, what's the going on. Is wrong, right? The priorities are wrong. Uh, the same with the political system, the legal system. You know, we have people on both sides battling each other instead of working together to get the best outcome. So it's all about a power struggle. We fight the other side. We, we point score. We'll call them names. That's it. Instead of actually taking the brightest on each side and solving problems together. Mm. You know, for me, that adversarial way is, is achieving an outcome, which is who can win at the expense of the other, not yeah. who can win at the benefit of truth or the benefit of outcomes yeah do you think more entrepreneurs given you know they are the doers i mean they actually have ideas and they actually are some of the doers in their economy do you think they should be driving more of this initiative because i mean they're the ones that usually are creating the jobs and i've got the stamina to really, you know, create stuff and change within their companies? Is that well, where you I see it? I, I, I see entrepreneurs helping to pull the levers to accelerate that. But I think we still need the framework that encourages that first. Um, you know, the, there's no point throwing more money into universities and things if we haven't actually changed the education system. Um, so it's, I think it's about addressing what does the world need today? I, I talk about it in my manifesto that, you know, it, the time is ripe for a philosophical flood, right? Just like in Noah's time, there was a flood. It's time to just do a clean sweep. We've got to where we've got to because of how we've got here. That's great. It served us, but that's enough. Like, let's stop patching things and putting a Band-Aid here. Like, let's start fresh and get the best minds and look at what is available to us today. There is so much that we have now that we, if we were starting fresh, if this was a greenfield site, we would do it very differently 
than trying to patch up what we've already got, which unfortunately is what we're doing because no one is prepared to make a big move. Mm. You know, the, the, the government is only in power for a short time, only three or four years. Why are they going to do anything that's going to take 10 years to see the results of? There's no point. Why would you bother, right? Because you'll be out of power. So don't do something that's unpopular that's going to have long-term benefits because it doesn't serve your need to win power again. Right. What about the brightest minds like Elon Musk's? Um, Do you think he's on a mission to see if we can maybe, in a way, start afresh in a totally new planet? Maybe that's his way of, you know, starting afresh. Maybe that's where he sees that, you know, philosophy or in his mind I think he really truly believes that we need to be multi um dimensional planetary, planetary yeah. because he does doesn't like he's worried that we're going to actually get wiped out so we we have to think that's that's his mission but where I guess brilliant minds like that could also come in is it could actually be a fresh philosophy in a start in this new dimension because you're actually starting from scratch. Uh, absolutely. I think the wild, brash ideas, I love them, you know, like bring it on. That's what we need. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to implement every brash idea, but having free thinkers like Elon who are able to just come up with ideas that are way out there but have merit, they're worth exploring, you know, and there are lots of people who think that way. Um, you know, what I'm talking about can be seen as a cult, you know, let's start this, we'll get everyone in and it becomes like a multi-level marketing thing and everyone gets everyone else. But it's not, at, at the crux of it, it's about getting people to think a little bit differently, create a movement to create change, right? This isn't about creating a movement for the sake of it. This isn't about trying to be an influencer or, you know, it's create movement to create change. Now, anyone I've ever spoken to about the philosophy, no one disagrees with the ideas of it, right? No one disagrees that we should all respect each other. We should all look after everyone. No one disagrees with that. Ultimately, it comes down to how motivated are we to take care of others? The The main impediment I hear from people is that they feel it's going to cost them personally to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose something in order to do that. And that's a scarcity mindset. You know, that's because you're thinking like that, that I need to hold on to everything. If I start helping other people, I'm not looking after myself, my loved ones. No, wrong attitude. We need to look after each other, and then you are also being looked after as well. And so it's just changing people's perspective. It's Yeah, it's really, really different way to think. It's changing me hearing you, you know, of because you do straight away go, yeah, how is it going to affect me if I do this? But if you don't think like that, it's you can actually be very powerful to actually be like that because you can actually feel very empowered to do more once you start doing and living by that way. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you go to a supermarket and pay $50, $100 for the person in front of you for their groceries. See the impact that has on someone's face. 
Like it just doesn't happen enough, that kind of thing. If we all look, that's just an example, but if we all looked after each other, there wouldn't be the need to feel scarce, mm. right? There wouldn't be that. We can live, all live abundantly. We have enough resources in the world to look after everyone. What we don't have is the will to distribute the resources equitably. Mm. That's the problem. It is the problem. It is. It really makes you, yeah, question how you live. You always want to live in materialistic life because of what you see in front of you constantly in social media that you always feel like you don't have enough. Well, success is measured by how much stuff have I got? Yeah. <laughs> how, you know, that I'm suggesting that something like the philosophy should be set up like a business. So investors invest in the philosophy. What's the profit? The profit isn't dollars. The profit is a better world. I mean, that sort of thing. It's like shift how we do this. Don't treat it like it's a, a little sideline thing or a little hobby thing. Treat it as seriously as a business that you are going to list, right? That's what I'm saying. And, and what can we throw at it? Have a business plan. How do we help the world? How do we help people, you know, poverty? Um, I mean, there's so many things we can fix if we have the will. And the problem is that our focus is on success equals this. And that's the problem. We're all chasing this because that's what it's defined as. And if you don't have to worry about where you're going to get your next meal from, because we're all looking after each other, then there's a lot more to share. So, Alex, if someone listening on is really resonating and agreeing with this and really feeling connected to this message, what could they do next? Well, certainly feel free to reach out to me. <laughs> um, you know, this is about a movement means getting like-minded people on board. It's going to be something that's going to take time to build up. I've started creating it, but this isn't about me, right? This is about the outcomes. So I want really good people to come on this journey. And again, it's not about me. I want great minded people who have the same vision, who have the same desire for humanity to step up and say, yeah, okay, I've always wanted to do something. I've never known how I can actually make a difference in that big way. Let's talk. So it's kind of like that. It's about just getting people together who actually want to make that difference. Are you thinking about a community that comes together? once a month or something to just discuss how we actually progress this great minds can come together and really do the movement. Is that where your head's starting to move towards once? It'll probably start as an online community first yeah. and we'll build momentum there. And then I'm hoping at some point we'll be able to do live events and get people together in a huddle and actually come up with new plans and then take that out further to the world. I know it sounds grand and I know it, you know, when I hear it, I think, oh, my God, I sound like a cult leader. <laughs> it's not It's not that at all. It's, it's about if you don't say it, if you don't get it out there, there's no way for people to, to 
to get involved and to, to know that there are other people who think and feel the same way. So you've just got to say it. So mm-hmm. I might come across as a crazy person, but I'm crazy about the idea of helping other people. And if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. That's really inspiring to hear that there is other people out there because I know a bunch of people who have told me they feel exactly how you feel, but they just don't know like how they can, they feel very alone in it. And yeah, they're part of groups and they want change, but they don't know how to find the like-minded people. And they don't know how those, even if they could get 10 people together, how they could make that grand impact. It's very scary. It is scary. And, you know, that's why when we first met, it wasn't the first thing I I talked about with you Mm. because it's scary to put yourself out there and go, you know, this is what I'm thinking. This is, you know, we're going to change the world. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it, 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 it is, it is like, it's, it's even a little bit challenging for me to be talking about because, you know, I'm putting my heart and soul out there and saying, this is what I believe. But I do believe that there are other people out there who share the same belief, the same desire to want to make a difference that, you know, the superficiality of, you know, some aspects of life is, um, unfortunately, there's a lot of superficial stuff that happens. But again, when you, when you, when you get back to the, the original route that I said that, you know, every one of us is a miracle, you know, you stop focusing on superficial stuff because it's, you know, there's so much bigger, more important stuff to focus on anyway. I loved doing this with you. I'm so glad that we got to do this and talk and get the word out there because it's through doing things like this and someone hearing this and if you're listening on and that really connected for you, I want you to go over to Alex Kane and just send him a message and say, you know, that really connected for me, you know, that really resonated for me and I want to be part of whatever this is it's very obviously early as you can hear it but you know it's it's hard to go and put yourself out there and call it so I'm really you know I'm really really inspired that you've done it and you're going and sharing your soul out there and listeners listening on like go out and find Alex Kane and yeah if it resonates for you just yeah reach out thanks Alex for coming on and sharing something truly inspiring and moving and Mel Thank you so much for having me and for giving me a voice as well. It's my pleasure. You are listening to Innovative Minds.